Words from the Hills reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. When we entered into the month of, before we entered into the month of May, um, the Spirit of God began to speak to me about how delicate May is. And if you know, I've been announcing it since the past three days now that we've actually entered a new season. <clears throat> I know on the calendar we are still in May, but I believe we have crossed over into what God wants to do um, in the next season of the earth. So, um, and it is very important that you leave your walk, your war, according to times and seasons. Because the grace of God is released in time. The grace of God is made available in season. Um, so when we were about to enter into May, God began to speak to me about the month of May. And how May is the month that a lot of people will receive um, a lot of shifts in their life. And a lot of things that have been impossible to them before will be made possible. Not just because, you know, God is like, everything will now become possible. Amen. No, but actually because of the work that God will do in people. He began to speak to me about the work um, of, of a shift. And that thing that will make people come to the realization that they can, never, that they can no longer do business as usual. And so um, when we entered, or before we entered into May, I was having a conversation with someone earlier in the day, you know, towards the end of April. And I was trying to convince the person why they had to fight, why they had to press into God, you know, for more. They had gotten a result and I was like, no, nah, this cannot be the end. This cannot be God's result. I said, let us trust God together. But for every time I tried to encourage the person to do that, they got angry, they got agitated, they attacked me and even attacked my own testimony um, of victory. And like, oh, you know, you PI, you like warfare. I don't like warfare. I'm not that kind of person. I said, the day in the bomb, is this a whole sword for hand come off a belly? <laughs> I don't like warfare. But whether I like it or not, I am born into the middle of a warfare between two kingdoms. Whether I like it or not, warfare is my default setting as a human being. Not even first as a believer. Just by being human. When God said to Adam in the garden, subdue it. I'm sure Adam was wondering, subdue what? I'm standing in the garden. I'm standing in the midst of a beautiful place. As you say, I am your first creation as man. So what am I to subdue? Adam probably had no idea that there was an ongoing battle. He probably had no idea about the fall of Lucifer and the fact that even though the garden looked like this, Eden was not necessarily a safe place because the Bible already talked about Lucifer when he was talking about him in Ezekiel. He says you were in the midst of Eden, the garden of the Lord. You walked to and fro. So Adam was not the first occupant of Eden. Neither was it the first occupant of the garden Lucifer was. So there was a reason why God put Adam in the garden in the east of Eden. Because the person who occupied it before was a covering cherub. He was the one that had the authorization to rule. No wonder the Bible says he went to and fro the earth. It says by the abundance of your trading, iniquity was found in you. Who was he trading with? Who was Satan, Lucifer, interacting with? Who was he, what, what, where was he covering? As a covering cherub, he had authority and jurisdiction over location and space. And so there is a connection between Lucifer and the earth. 
there is a connection between his reign and his rule and the geographical location in space called earth. And so you begin to understand why God placed Adam right in the spot where it looked like it was where Lucifer had his temple, the place where he went to and fro in interacting with God and interacting with the earth. And you begin to realize that it was almost as though God kind of did like a coup in the spirit, took away a former Lord and placed a new Lord. And he said, and I bless you and I give you the ability to subdue the one that was here before you. So whether you like it or not, as a human being, you are born into warfare. From the very moment you took a breath, you became a threat to a former leader. So warfare is our default mode. Then imagine being born again, now entering into the realization of who you are and the power that you have. You become even a bigger threat. So I said to her, I said, I know say I like to fight, but I have to fight. And I said to her, warfare is not only if all of that does not enable you to arrive at a change of posture, then it was useless. If all of that does not enable you to arrive at a change of heart, a change of perspective, a higher understanding of engagement, then all of that was useless. Because when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he began to cry, a kingdom is about to be born. Power and jurisdiction is about to return to God. And the way it will happen is that men repent. So many times we see it as men come down lying, crying, God, I will not do it again. That is the foundational first level of repentance. The higher level of repentance is when the minds of men actually change into thinking like God. Into seeing like God into authorizing things on the earth like God. And so Jesus said, this is how this kingdom will be established. This is how God will restore all things to himself by the repentance of my men. When men return into the place where they begin to once again go into the school of the spirit, once again place a demand of what should be rightfully theirs once again put aside satisfaction in the flesh and low level engagement and begin to say God where is the power that was promised to humanity where is the power by which we were meant to rule and establish your reign and your order on the earth he said this is how the kingdom will be born this is how the kingdom will be restored so we are not here to talk about, oh, we are kings and priests. And just say, you are a king. You are a king. Go and rule. What does it mean to you? What are the protocols of engagement? What are the rules of engagement? What are the transformation that you need to make? These are the things. So the wrestle is the wrestle for the kingdom to be born in you. So the title of our sermon is The Power Vacuum. The question is, why the space? We keep talking about all the things that we are in God. We look at the Bible, we look at scriptures, we look at prophecies. But it is almost as though we cannot arrive at the very things that we know to be true. Why the space? Why are women losing their babies before they are born? Why the space? Why are women not receiving their dead back to life? What is the distance between that? 
Why are we not able to position ourselves in the industries and establish the virtues, the values of God as we know we are meant to as the ecclesia, the ruling, the governing body of God? Why the space? It is a war of gates. So why is our gates not prevailing against the gate of hell? The power vacuum. So it is almost as though we know that something should be occupying the space. But we don't know how to bring it in. And I pray that by the grace of God, by the time we are done, I would have been able to bring you into some sort of understanding and revelation and knowledge on how you can fill up that space and begin to operate in the strength of the Lord. So God was speaking to me about power. And after I had left that conversation with that lady, I just said to myself, I've had enough. I've actually had enough of not being able to change things. Or people calling me crying and then your work as a minister, you turn into counselor. All you are doing is say it is where it's okay, okay, all right. Oh yeah, let's try this. Let's never with certainty, categorically declaring, knowing that it will come to pass. I said, I've had enough. I don't want to make excuses for God anymore. I don't want to say, you know, sometimes God can, sometimes God we know, we never know. Let's just, we never know. That's not what I gave my life to. I gave my life to a measure of certainty. I gave my life because they told me I could trust him. So I want to trust him and I want to see him do the things that he said he would do. But I know that the responsibility is not just on him. I need to know my role to play. Can you take it up a little? Yeah, I can't hear you. And then I had another conversation with someone else again. And you know, I remember we just broke into prayer that day. And I remember going back and I started studying power. And the Lord said to me, in the month of May, you need to pray and press into power. And that was what we started doing when we were having our monthly prayer reign. And then the Lord began to speak to me again three days ago and said that the season has shifted. Hear me, the next season we are coming into, I said, the only way I could describe it, I said it's a strong season. I said, is the season where it feels like there can be the deposing of kings. I said, but it also feels like the season where there can be the ordination of kings. I said, is the season where strong moves will be made by heaven. And because we know that strong moves will be made by heaven, we know that Satan will also try to make some strong moves. I said, the month of June is not the month where you just move about anyhow or you just make any decision if there are things that God has been telling you to do some big moves some things that you have been keeping since and you're like ah God I don't have the courage this season is when you do it take the next couple of days to pray into what will happen in June take the next couple of days to galvanize yourself in strength and in courage Take the next couple of days to revisit your visions. Rewrite your proposals. Look into it because June is going to be explosive. I'm saying it to you so that you can walk according to grace. Now, I never used to be those May, June, July kind of person. But because God is accelerating time and things are moving really quickly, you will find out that we are walking in what I call sometimes overlapping seasons. Before one expires, another has begun. 
This year is as though you have lived 15 years inside one already. So many things have happened on the heels of the other. Why? It is because of the times in which we live. Because we are the 11th hour worker and I've been explaining it. And it forms a foundation also for power. And I say to people, I say people said that the servant said to the master, why would the 11th hour worker get the same amount of money as the ones that came in the third hour? And the, the master was like, well, psh, it is what it is. But I began to press into it and I said, Lord, that seems a bit unjust. And the Lord said to me, I am never unjust. He said, think about it. Why would I pay someone who started working at 11 o'clock, 11 p.m., the same amount I'll pay someone who started working at 9 a.m.? He said, they both closed at 12 a.m. Why would I pay them the same amount of money? He said, unless they both did the same amount of work. He said, there's something about the 11th hour worker. There is an acceleration of grace. There is an acceleration of strength. There is capacity to do what took other generations a long time to achieve. That is why you will have just one hour, two hours, three hours to the end. And you are able to cover more than Abraham, Isaac, Isaiah, Ezekiel would have done in their lifetime. There is something about time that is accelerating in this season. And it becomes expedient that we realize that we are the ones that are called to redeem time. What does it mean to redeem time? If there is a need for redemption, that means something has been lost. That's to tell you that there were things that were lost in time. Things, mantles that were released. Prophecies that were released. Nations that should have been born, but they were not born. In the 11th hour and in the time of redemption, we will know how to call things into place. And we will know how to reposition things things that should have been so that the Lord Jesus can come. This is not about becoming the CEO of a corporation. This is not about becoming the next president of Nigeria. We have passed that stage where the things we do or the seemingly great things we do is about glory on earth. Like my father would say, when you say, I do that, I don't do like this, man. Father would say, mm, I may forget that thing. Where are they go? In near past, where are they come from? So there are some things by virtue of the understanding that his time is short. He does not waste his time doing anymore. He cannot allow his heart be corrupted by certain things anymore. It is not at 80 that a friend will offend him and he will hold offense. At 80, when you feel die anytime. When you understand that you are the 11th hour worker, when you understand that you are standing at the end of an age, you will refine your intentions. You will hold on to your consecration. Knowing that at any time the master might appear and demand of you that for which he created you and he created generations before you. This is the reason why we cannot joke with this sermon. And this is the reason why we must ask God, what are your protocols for me? What are the things I must hold on to in this season? Consecration. Governance. Order. Perseverance in prayer. In the knowledge of the word. You cannot joke with these things. In the season in which we live. You cannot joke with these things. Every day that I wake up now. I spend a few minutes. Father have mercy on me. If there be any way that I have walked outside of the mark that you have set for me. 
I ask that in your mercy you will position me. I ask, Lord, that you forgive me of all of my trespasses. And trespasses is not you stole money. To trespass means you just crossed the boundaries that were set for you. Forgive me of all of my trespasses, Lord, so that I may be able to walk in the fullness of the power and the authority you have given to me. When I stand in the courts of heaven, oh God, help me to stand justified, not just because of the things that I have done right, but because of my ability to carry your vision right. I make prayers like that, that are seemingly weak, but I'm telling you they are the most powerful things you need. Because a man that is set in place of giving authority, that does not consistently ensure that he is adhering to the processes and the order of his office, know that he's a man that will soon be removed. Because you cannot uphold a government you are consistently breaking. So when I talk to you about power, I'm not talking to you about recklessness. Because many of us have power, but not many of us have authority. Those are two different things. In the New Testament, there are different words that were used for power. If you read Ephesians 1, which is a foundational thought, Ephesians 1 from verse 18 to 22, it says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above... Just look at me. Ask me, please. The person calling me, I beg, cut the call. <laughs> Every evil call. <laughs> the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is evoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Now, if you look at these verses, you will see that there were different categories of power that were mentioned. And every time power was mentioned, it meant a different thing here. So we can read it and we say, far above principalities and power, he has given us power according to his power, according to his might. Every time it was used, it was something different that was being spoken about. The four different categories that were spoken about is number one, dunamis. We are all... We all know about dunamis. We've all heard about dunamis. Number two, iskus. Number three, kratos. Number four, exousia. Now, there is one more that is not in these verses, but is also another definition of power, and it's called endonamo. But I won't look at that today. But I'm focusing on the four that was mentioned in this particular verse. Before I go into those ones, I want to lay a foundational thought again. In Genesis 1.28, and it says, And God blessed them. And God said unto them, before that, he began to say, and God created man. It says, male and female created he them. And then verse 28, it says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful 
and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moved upon the earth. Before I go on to explain this verse, I want you to understand something. The greatest power that you can have is the power of the word. I'm telling you the truth. All things were made by him and for him all things were created and the worlds are held together by him. Understand what I'm talking about. I did not say the greatest power you can have is morning devotion. I did not say the greatest power you can have is attend a church or listen to a sermon. I did not say the greatest power you can have is to have the biggest Bible that you never read. I'm saying the biggest, greatest power you can have is the knowledge of the word. There is something about the word of the Lord. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I need you to stay with me because I don't want to preach a sermon this morning. I want to impart a spirit of understanding. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God stood in a place that is not the beginning. We don't know what it is. It is the deadless eternal past that no one has been able to peep into. Not even the angels, not even all of creation. So no matter how much anyone knows the Lord, there is still a void of knowledge that belongs to God that nobody can access and nobody can know. Because no matter who you are, you don't have the capacity to comprehend the death of God. So when Moses began to say to God, show me your face, show me who you are. He said, I cannot. If I do it, you will die. As a matter of fact, I think Moses would have been consumed in eternity and they're going to find in different body for different places for space. So he's like, you know, let me just show you the back. Let me show you a little bit of history within time, but I cannot show you the fullness of who I am. And so when you begin to think about God existing in where we don't know what it is, how it is, it's not space, it's not time, it's not matter, it's not weight is not anything but he existed and then at one moment he said I'm going to create and then God started what we know as the beginning how did he start the beginning how did he start the ticking of clock how did he start the concept of season how did he start the concept of time how did he start the concept of space and landmass how did he start the concept of eternity universes and 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 planets and earth and ocean all of these things never existed in where he was as god and then at a point he said i am going to create and he began it the bible says all things were made by him his word and for his word they were created and he made it and he instituted it and he has held it all in place by his word when you have the word of the Lord dwelling inside of you you go past being a preacher and you go past the place of a sermon you become an entity that carries within itself a measure of the eternal life of God. You become an entity that carries within itself a measure of the weightiness of God. What differentiates men from men is the revelation of God that they can embody. And you embody his revelation through one channel and it's called the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is not text. The word of the Lord is not Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Those things were written so that men can assimilate what God has to say. But even the Bible is a broken, limited attempt.
extent for God to explain and to communicate to man the depth of his being. And so that's why within one line of scripture is an eternity of revelation. So that if a man can sit with the volume of the word, you become like the volume that you have been able to receive. The first foundational power that you can have is the power of understanding. The power of the knowledge of God's word. I'm telling you. The reason why it seems like you have a deficient generation and you have people that are constantly weak, constantly oppressed, depressed, anxiety is a deficiency of revelation. Revelation is not to know. Revelation is to be. So you don't only take in the word. You become, you enter into the space of what you have read and it becomes your reality. So you can sit in a room with people but you are in another room even though you are in that room. It becomes a space of God that you carry and it surrounds you and you operate from there. So that is what makes it possible for a nation to be in poverty but yet you operate from wealth. Why? Because you have come into an understanding, a revelation that you consistently birth by adhering to it daily. Listen to me. You are a living creature and you are a life-giving spirit. You are not just a man or just a woman. You are a creator and an empowerer of the things that are intangible. Satan limits us by making us believe we are bound to the circumstances of time and space, but it's a lie. Because God did not make a limited version of himself. God made an absolute version of himself. He made man in his image and in his likeness. But only he sets the boundaries to which man can express the God in him, in them. You are limiting yourself when you don't take in strong measures of the word. You are limiting yourself. When you get comfortable with our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that's what you are still praying at 45. They say pray. God, we thank you for the sun. We thank you for the moon. What do you know say sun for do? The moon will not smite you by night, the sun by day. Do you know the meaning of it? Do you understand how the space works and how they manipulate it to control the destinies of men? This is not the time to be satisfied with limited Christianity. This is not the time to be okay with a lack of understanding. I am not in competition with anybody. Neither am I trying to become the most powerful pastor or the most popular preacher. I don't care for it. I just want to be the fullest version of me that God has created me to be. I am unsatisfied with unanswered questions. Ask my husband, the thing that can kill me the most is if you don't allow me to say what I want to say. I want to understand. Explain it to me. But why? And it's the same way I deal with the Lord. I don't get it, Lord. I will pull out every material possible so that I can come into understanding. Because it is a time that is not spent well if I spend it reading the word and I don't come out with revelation and understanding. The word. The word of the Lord is a spirit. And the spirit of the word possesses men 
who take the time to honor the word, to enter into it and to submit to the government of the word. Go back to your Bible, believers. Go back to your Bible, believers. Stop reiterating what preacher said. Stop spending more time reading sermons, watching sermons on YouTube than studying the Bible for yourself. Read it. Read it. There was the day when men, when you look at their Bible, you are looking for space because every verse is marked. Books where they will take a scripture, lift the scriptures and rewrite it. It's no foolishness that is doing us. There's an understanding of how things are assimilated into the spirit of men. It says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful. We all know that be fruitful, multiply, take dominion um, over, um, over everything and that moved on the surface of the earth and all that. We all know that that was the mission, the commissioning that God gave to them. But we know that when he said God blessed them, if you look at the Hebrew word for he blessed them, it means many things. But many, one of the things that it means is that it means the knee. So basically, that's why when you want to bless somebody, the people kneel down. Because there is an origin to it. In the original blessing, according to the Hebrews or the Hebrew word, when they speak about to bless, it also says to kneel. So if you see in the Bible that they say, oh, and this person blessed this person, the person most likely knelt down to receive it because it's the same word. So when you speak about kneeling, you are actually speaking about submission. You are actually speaking about giving yourself, bowing to the one that is blessing you. So when he said that God blessed them, that means God brought the spirit he had created into alignment with him. He put them under him. He put them within his jurisdiction and his authority. Now, another word that is used for that bless, it means to salute. So basically, God created man and put them under his authority and he saluted them. And he said to them, you are the ones that carry my power. You are the ones that carry my likeness. In front of all creation, God saluted them. The angel said, what a man that thou art mindful of him. And we don't get it. Who are these creatures that the Lord God Almighty will stand and salute them in front of all creation and say to them, you have power, you have honor, you have dominion. You have authority in heaven and on earth to rule and reign on my behalf. You are my generals and you are my kings and you are the ones that will be called gods. He saluted them, he positioned them, he gave them the ranking that they needed. Now I say to you that every commission that God asked man to do, he was going to do it by reason of the blessing. So the power that man had was the blessing. That is the foundational power that every human has. That is the foundational power that is given unto us, the blessing embedded in our humanity. And then as you begin to go further on, you realize that part of what God did was he conferred authority upon them. He gave them the legitimacy to operate as the ones that will rule on his behalf. I am saying these words to you and you are thinking to yourself, oh yes, we've heard this before. But you see, please, can you pause and hear it again? So that when you walk out of here and a dog is running towards you and it looks like he's going to bite you and kill you, you look at the dog and you realize that 
will not be the kind of people where animal they kill. Even if na lion, it's not possible. According to the laws of creation, we sit above these things. I'm saying this to you so that when you walk out of here and a certain kind of struggle or a certain kind of addiction is trying to hold you bound, you can pause and you can look it in the eye. And you will say to it, I will overcome it. I will overcome you. Why? Because I have the legitimate right to be a king. And I cannot be subjected to things that are lower than me. You see, what I'm telling you is what should enable you to charge against your enemies. Knowing fully well that you have already won the battle. I am not trying to convince you that you will win. I am calling you back to order. So that you will stand again as you are supposed to be. Because the problem is the way we think and the way we see life. But you have to see differently when you look at the scripture. There are a couple of things I know. One of the things I know is that I cannot be poor. And I am not saying it like prosperity. Which I know you can, no, I am saying it. Because I understand that according to the responsibility that is given to me by Elohim. The resources of the earth should be mine. And so because the resources of the earth should be mine. There must be channels that are open in the spirit. That necessitate that there is a continuous flow of innovation to me. And a continuous flow of favor and blessing unto me. That I may be able to perform the things that I need to perform on earth. The money is not my glory. The money is an instrument necessary for my work. So I don't base my honor on money. So it is a shift of your mind. You already have the power that you need. He says God blessed them. And he gave them. And he gave them the legitimate right to influence and to exert. To make things abundantly productive. That is what it means to be fruitful. To make things abundantly productive. So if you then arrive at a point. When you don't see this abundant productivity. What do you do? You have to step back. And ask yourself what am I getting wrong? I found out that as Christians, we are so... You know how people that teach say everything rises and falls on leadership? You've heard that, right? I'm telling you, everything rises and falls on leadership. Now, if you hear that, you are thinking, Pastor Mo, Buhari, you are thinking about all the leaders, your boss, your MD. Yes, it's true. My husband, it's true, everything rises and falls on leadership. But excuse me, you are a leader. You are a leader of creation. You are a leader of nations. You are a leader of systems. You are a leader. Everything that you create rises and falls on you. The world around you, the prosperity of the world around you rises and falls on you. As believers, we know how to declare outwardly. But we don't know how to transform the inside. And I found out that it is a coping mechanism. Because people do not want to confront their inner weakness. But you see, that is the vacuum. That is what is keeping you from accessing power. You see that thing you are unwilling to admit you are struggling with. You see that thing you are unwilling to confront. You see that position that you are willing to challenge that maybe you may be wrong. 
that is the vacuum that is keeping you from accessing power. You have said to yourself, this is who I am. This is how I am. This is how we are in my family. This is what my father told me, my mother told me. If they were perfect, there would never have been a need for another generation. There is a wisdom and a revealing of God that is necessary. That's why generations are born. And so the question is, who are you? Recently, I've been talking to people about arriving at the whole version of yourself. Because many of us are an accumulation of history, accumulation of past pain, accumulation of other people's struggles. We don't even know that our makeup is not ours. So you are carrying a lot of things you have never questioned. You are standing and taking a lot of positions you have never dared. You don't have the courage to question it because you feel like you will be um, like a puzzle that unravels if you question one thought. It will seem like you have pulled the thread that holds the whole scene together. But sometimes you need to unravel so that you can be truly built back up. I found out a lot of believers do not know how to question. That's why we are where we are. We are too afraid. That if we fall apart, well, God will not be able to put us back together. So we just hold on to the small strength that we have. That is the vacuum limiting you from accessing power. So if you arrive at a point that you realize you are living a limited version of the promise of God, remember everything rises and falls on leadership. You are the leader of your life. So why? Don't look for the witch in your village first. Don't look for the person that hurts you first. Don't look for the spouse that is not allowing you. Look to yourself. Even if somebody closely is doing something to you, ask yourself, what is that thing about me that allows me permit this person to do this to me? What is that thing about me that has allowed me permit this repeated cycle in my life? Why don't I have the capacity to rise up and to fight it? Why don't I have the ability to question these standards? Ask yourself. Because you see, the, what you need is not another prophet coming to give you a strong word. What you need is for you to access the things that have already been deposited in you from the foundations of the earth. That's why when Jesus resurrected, he said, what I'm giving you are keys. He didn't say, I'm giving you buildings. He didn't say, I'm giving you new land. He said, I'm giving you keys. Why? You don't give a person key if there's no door to open. All the doors are already available for us. What we need is the ability to unlock them. But you unlock by query. I'm saying this to you because recently I told myself it will not be on account of my inability to grow that anything in my life will fail. It will not be on account of my weakness and my struggle that anything in my life will die. I will do what is necessary to become a better person before God and before man. So that everything that God has given me jurisdiction over, I will have the authorization to walk in them. Because when God blessed man, what did he do? You now see that when God then went into the next verse, first of all, he blessed their spirit because as at that time, he had not formed the body. It was not until chapter 2, he now formed man out of the dust of the earth. So the man that God blessed and, come and saluted and all of that was the spirit of man. But his spirit is as real as him in the container. 
And so when you now see that God made the animals and the Bible says he will bring them before man and he watched to see what he will call them. Whatsoever he called them was what they became. And then God will say, okay, good, good, good. He's accurate. Why? It is the testing. Because authorization is not bestowed upon you until you have proven that you know how to distill the power you have. But God will always check to see, do you have the revelation of what is within you? So him bringing the animals to Adam wasn't because he did not know what to call them. He was checking to see if Adam's knowledge was in alignment with his knowledge. And if Adam was going to name them the way he would name them. If you look at your life and you see that you are not naming things the way God would name them. You look at scripture and you look at your life. You look at scripture and you look at your life. The responsibility is on you to go through the process of bringing alignment between your life and the Bible. When you go through this process, that is when authority is conferred on you. Because power is an inner, inner ability. Authority is the right to dispense power. But it is the processes that give you authority. Are we still together? This church is so quiet. Are we together? I'm a strong believer in transformation. I'm a strong believer in doing the necessary work. And I'm telling you that the vacuum is not outside you. The vacuum is inside you. The vacuum is in the place where you cannot look at yourself and say to yourself, you know what? Maybe I have a laziness problem. Maybe I have a money problem. Maybe I actually have a speech problem. Maybe actually the abuse, my father abused my mother is still somewhere inside me. And there's a substance of it replaying itself in my present. That's why I like to manipulate women. Maybe. You see, your ability to arrive at this place is the greatest battle you can fight. But it's also the most beneficial battle. If you can deal with these things on the inside, I'm telling you, you will say to this mountain, be ye removed and cast into the sea and it will obey you. Because the mountain knows who you are. But when you speak to it, you don't know who you are. Because there are so many things blocking the revelation of you. So we do a lot of Christianity. I know who I am in Christ. But do we really know? So the moment a demon appears to you in your room, you will run. You go and call your child when you're born. As if holding another human being can save you from a spirit. You recall your husband. As if if he see the thing where you they see. What do you do? The question is why is it on the inside you are weaker than you appear on the outside? If you can deal with these inner struggles. I'm telling you. You will take care of the vacuum. Because all things are already set. So I believe in transformation and I am constantly challenging believers to transform constantly you see there's a concept in Genesis that is called Tov Pastor Pratt please prompt me because I don't know where I'm, I am with time there's a concept called Tov T-O-V and if you heard me preach you would have heard me talk about Tov Tov is a Hebrew word and it's the word that was used every time God created. And he will look at it and say, it is good. 
Every time he created, he will look at it and say, it is good. Now, you do not say a thing is good if there is no measurement system. For you to call a thing good, that means there is a measurement between bad and good, or probably even best. So every time God made, it was like God was comparing what he was creating with another standard. And I know that the standard is himself. And so he made it and he will call it Tov. I found out that there is a direct correlation between Tov and power. Now when God looked at Adam, he said it is not Tov for Adam to be alone. Now why did he say that? He said it is not Tov. Then he made woman. And then he was okay. This was good. Why? Because of the meaning of Tov. Tov is actually the ability for a thing to reproduce the God life. The ability of a thing to reproduce the God life simply puts, that's what it means. But, so it means anything that produces life and contains the potential for more life within it. So think of a seed becoming an orchard. Or more practically speaking, think of a conversation or story that stirred you to bring forth life from inside of you and offer it in a way that had the potential to call forth life in another. That is Tov. Whenever a thing is released and it has the potential to bring life and to call forth life from what it has been released into. So when God looked at creation and he made the trees and he made the plants and he made all those things, he called them good. Why? Because they no longer needed his impute for them to keep reproducing. So when he looked at the mango tree and the pear tree, he looked as long as it had seed in itself and that seed could keep reproducing until the end of time. He said, this is good. And so when he looked at man, he said it is not good because man in the way he was initially did not have the ability to keep multiplying himself until he arrived at filling the whole earth. So he said this is not good and he created a multiplication system. Now when God also stood back and was looking at Adam and whatsoever he called them was what they became. What was God searching for in man? He was searching for Tov. If man was a good creation, why? Because if Adam had the ability to also give life, because the Bible said whatsoever he called it was what they became. It became their nature. So the animals God made was just molding. But it was Adam that gave them nature. It was Adam that gave them assignment. It was Adam that gave them specification. So he became a life-giving spirit. So God was stepping back and looking to see if Adam could bring forth Tov. And then if Adam did, then he would know that he is good. Because it is also a measure for good. If whatever God creates has life and can give life, then God has been good. I'm saying this to you because Tov becomes the concept by which or the framework by which you judge power. It is not just because somebody has got corporations and has got billions, has got all kinds of things, does not mean the person has power according to God's standard. Because according to God's standard, power must be good. According to God's standard, power must be tov. According to God's standard, power must have the ability to bring forth the God life. So anything that does not have the ability to reproduce the life of God in itself, is not necessarily powerful in the eyes of God. If it were so, why did God destroy the Tower of Babel? He would never have destroyed it because it was a beautiful structure. It was a technological advancement. 
skyscrapers ahead of its time. That's beautiful. But God destroyed it because even though it was a great physical structure, it was not going to produce the life and intentions of God upon the earth. It was going to degrade and break humanity. So when you begin to judge power based on the level of good or evil, whether it's good, whether it's bad, is it nice, is it great, um, but at least you will miss God, you will miss the life of God. Because the tree that Eve ate was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was a tree of knowledge. Knowledge is supposed to be good, right? But not all knowledge gives life. She could see clearly what is good, what is evil. And that was a powerful thing. And many of us are consistently judging God on that level. You look at national policies. You look at regulations. And you say, hey, but it's, it's a good thing. People should be able to. A woman should be able to take out a child if she wants to. It's her body. When you say it like that, wow, my God. Looks like a powerful speech. Looks right. But the question is, it's not how, is it, does it release the God kind of life? So it's not about good or bad. We are not in a contest of black or white. There is a level of godly conversation that rises above that. That's why you cannot judge whether you should remain in your marriage just on the level of what did the person do or the person did not do. There is a higher level of conversation that is greater than that. And it is a level of can this thing still release the God life over the earth? Shift your conversation. Shift your understanding of what power is. Because I hear a lot of people saying today that the power is now in the hands of unbelievers. The power, listen to me, according to prophecy, what do they call this time? They call it the time of the kingdom of the Gentiles. According to prophecy. From now until Jesus returns, it is called the time of the kingdom of the Gentiles. Read it in Zechariah. So whether we like it or not, I do not believe that this is the season of the earth where you will now look and you will see that Christians are presidents everywhere. Christians are the head of... It's a lie. It is anti-scripture. Because based on scripture, the kingdom of hell will be getting stronger and stronger alongside the sons of God. Because what will Antichrist ride upon? And the Antichrist is prophetically accurate. He has to come. But for him to come, he needs a structure. He needs a system. So the darkness you see will keep getting darker. It is necessary for Jesus to come. But the question is, what should the darkness provoke within you? Should it provoke a submission to it? Or should it provoke a higher level of righteousness and grace out of you? So the darkness in itself becomes the recipe that provokes holiness and strength out of the sons of God. So you will see it existing like the days of David and Saul. Where the house of Saul exists, but the house of David exists alongside it. When David will keep raising mighty men and miss the fact that Saul is on the throne. So don't get confused. Just because they own organizations, just because they have a kind of what we call power doesn't mean that God calls it power. Because power according to God's standard is the ability to create the God life and what you create has the ability to keep releasing God's life. So when God looks at and this is how a lot of people get lost. They get lost in industries. They get lost into all kinds of things in the name of I am going to do it for Jesus. It's a lie. 
they enter into all kinds of places and all kinds of rooms that they were never meant to enter because somehow their power they enter your eye but you see that's not God's definition of power and so you enter into some sort of compromise and then when you get in there you do not now have the ability to establish God's life because you have been compromised by the substance of their own rulership and then you are standing there and you cannot be like Daniel why? so um, I said Tov and I said it because I needed to understand God's definition of power because the opposite of Tov is another Hebrew word that is called Ra and the thing about Ra, Ra is the Hebrew word for evil, which has a wide range of meanings. But with regards to Tov, God calls Ra what is not Tov. So when you look at the world and you will see somebody doing so well and God will say, that's an evil man. He will say, ah, ah. but he's feeding millions of people in Africa. But he's building things, he's giving jobs to people. And God says, that is not Tov good that is evil in other words when we fail to produce god life that has the potential to create more of god's life that is what god calls evil i'm saying it to you so that we do not end up raising systems that are evil now what is dunamis Dunamis, we have this definition. Many of us call it the inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of his nature. That is the first standard of dunamis. The inherent power residing in me by virtue of my nature. I have the inherent power to bring forth a child because by nature I am designed with a womb. That is dunamis. I have the inherent power to lift up the laptop because by nature I am designed with hands. That is dunamis. The inherent power residing in you by virtue of your nature. But we understand that the nature we have is the God nature. That is why I can sit down in prayer and the Lord says to me, it is time enough of this issue with this person it is time to make it right because this thing is standing with you in the, standing against you in the courts of heaven and it is making it impossible for your requests to be answered and it's making it impossible for you to move the mountains that you are supposed to move so it is time for you to deal with it so my dunamis is what makes it possible for me by reason of my nature as the seed of God to be able to go into prayer and I begin to break the chain of darkness and I begin to call for a revealing of the good of God that exists in my relationship with that person and I begin to call for a dispelling of the darkness so that I can make the right decision according to truth concerning that relationship and as I go into prayer by my nature I begin to pray I begin to ask I begin to say let there be a revealing and I arrive at a point that I see it for what it is and I see what happened between me and the person for what it is and I am able to pick out what the bone of contention was and to see it from God's eye and see it was never really a big thing and I see how Satan exploded everything to bring confusion to bring shame to bring pain and I begin to call back the mind of God into the situation and in the midst of the prayer according 
according to my nature as a spirit man that is a God I begin to call back for order and the Lord begins to show me this person's life and the good embedded in the individual and begins to show me their weakness and how even though they did ABC to me it is not necessarily their heart and then the Lord begins to show me how Satan has broken the bridge of connection between us and has now made it impossible for there to be a possibility of reconciliation but in the midst of it the Lord shows me a perfect picture of what it would have looked like if I and this person are still in relationship and in my nature I begin to call for reconciliation and I start to say father in the name of Jesus I dispel the darkness I release forgiveness truth hope and joy I say in the name of the Lord Jesus in the spirit realm there is no problem between me and my brother there is no problem between me and my sister I call for the peace of God I say let this season end and let the day break over us in my nature as a son and as a seed of God I rearrange the situation one hour later the person calls me after 10 years of no call it is called dunamis your ability to operate in the power of your nature this is the thing that the spirit world taps into and we hear people say things like you know they levitate things like they went into the second heavens they went into this where their past go you cannot deny the fact that it is true they do these things but how is it that believers have been so miseducated that power the idea of power is no longer embedded into the curriculum of Christianity how have we been so miseducated that believers no longer know how to handle the spiritual um, systems and the order of the spirit why have we become so consumed by the outward that we don't understand what is on the inside we have perfected keyboard setting drum setting speaker setting we have perfected oh god will bless you hallelujah the lord is in this place but when the people go home the lord is not in them they don't know how to comfort the lordship of god in their lives oppressed and depressed but they don't know how to shift atmospheres how have we been so miseducated that power the teaching of the protocols of power is no longer in the curriculum of our faith but what is a king if he has no power he's useless so what has satan done he has left us on the throne but he has stripped us of our authority Go ahead, do your church services. Go ahead, tell yourself that the better version of it is home fellowship. It's still the same problem. Go ahead, do it, do it, do it. But you're picking go they die for your hand. But you go they find money to chop, they beg up and down. But you go there, there the sick go there, you know, go feel healing. Do anything, sit on your throne, but don't have power. We must go back and ask ourselves, what is the vacuum? What is missing? Because church has consistently mutated. Each structure pronouncing that it is better than the former one, but yet the, thing, the basic things are still missing. Hear me. There is a place where you call for the revelation of your nature. There is a place where you call for the revelation of your nature. I refuse to believe that my nature is that I am Nigerian, I am a woman, I live in Lagos. 
how does that benefit me in the heavens? How does that change the issues I see that have flown from my father to me and then it can go to my children? How does that change the dynamics of life? There must be something I am missing and I demand that I understand it. Do not miss is also the power for performing miracles to also have morality it's also moral power excellence of soul and the power to influence which belongs to riches and wealth so when he was speaking in Ephesians 1 and he says according to the power that worketh in you these were the things he was talking about so morality is not that oh I will choose from today and not go sleep with woman again not lie there is a power that makes it possible there is something that enters into a man. There is a door that unlocks within a woman that changes the way you see people. When somebody walks right past you, you are no more stripping them with your eyes. Rather, you can see behind the appearance to see the glory and the presence of God within them. There is an inner ability that is, comes to you by the Spirit of God that makes you morally sound. He says it is also the power that belongs to the influence that comes with riches and wealth. <sighs> Many people in the dark realm are operating in dunamis. A replica version. So you will see somebody today walking in a labor sales boy. And then you will see him next month. He has bought houses in Banana Island. Then he comes and says, you know, I just want to give one billion for the power of God in my life. Where you get the money? What did you invest in that multiplied you all of a sudden? What power is at work within you? Because these things cannot be done by flesh or blood. There must be a power. And I can judge the power of God in the life of a man. There are certain things that weaken the power of God. There are things surrounding morality. There are things surrounding the governance code of the kingdom. There are things surrounding character and the speech that determine whether you will find a perfect man that power can be given to. If you are lacking in these things, where did you get the power to do what you are doing? There are many people in the dark realm that are using these things, they understand that riches and wealth don't land by mistake. I have seen people that have money but don't have influence. They try but nobody, they listen to them. So that means to have influence also takes a level of power. To be able to change things, who was Joseph? He had dunamis. Everywhere he was, even in the prison, he was a guy in the prison. The moment he left prison and entered Potiphar's house, automatically all the demons in the, within Potiphar's house knew that the one that carries a spirit of Adonai has entered. Because that's the spirit that foils everything. The spirit of Adonai is the first spirit in the seventh spirit of God. And it is the one that gives the oil that feeds the spirit of wisdom and understanding. It is the one that feeds the spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of Adonai is the spirit of lordship, the spirit of ownership. That's what comes upon a man that drives you to want to change things in the world. The moment Joseph entered in, they knew somebody had entered. 
Why? Because what it does to you is that it gives you the capacity to influence things to the point of influencing Pharaoh. There is a spirit called, or there is a power that is written in Ephesians 1. It's called iskus. And it is the ability of force or might or strength. So let me tell you something. There are some people that start projects and they never end it. Creative people, geniuses. They have ability to think. They are thinkers. They start to drive things and it never ends. Why? Because at some point they're like, ah, I'm tired. I don't tire. I've tried. I've pushed here. I've pushed here. Listen to me. What you need is iskus. Because it is an inner working in a man. And it is a dimension of the revelation of the spirit of God that gives you force and might to press and to push. Iskus is the kind of power that David walked in. When the Bible says he was faint, yet pursuing. The ability in the midst of weakness to keep going until you break the boundaries that limit you. So when you find out that there are repeated cycles in your life and you mark what causes the beginning of those cycles, you now begin to see what is missing and the expression of power missing from your life. When you find it, you sit down and you pray it. Because as you begin to pray, no more broken cycles, no more barakita. then God will now show you that the reason why is because when you get to a point, you give up easily. What you are doing, understand what I'm saying? You are not praying for dissolution. You are not now saying, now open up, open up. Listen, the thing that needs to open is you. Now, poor man, they go get say, You don't know, go open for me. Open the door now. I, I don't know who I be. When rich man were carried there, you know, they ask, they get the open as if an automatic gate. Why? Because of the witness of the man and the knowledge of who he is. You are still begging the gates to open because you have not entered into the fullness of who you are. So, you need to enter, leave the gates, leave the door. Do you know there is something called the oil of favor? When the oil of favor is upon your head, you enter a place that people say, ah, it never works. Are you joking? People will call you from the back. It is called the grace of God and the spotlighting of heaven. They will call you and move you from there here. Then they will ask the big man, why have you given him everything? He will say, I don't know. But it's like there is a spirit within him. The man is doing jazz, but he can recognize that God has favored him because of you. But you don't arrive there simply because somebody told you, you are blessed. It's a lie. You begin to push, you remove all the yamayama that followed you when you came into this world. The same way a baby is born and they wash him at birth. To remove the blood and to remove the mucus within which he was formed. That's when, when a man is born. You must wash yourself because you were encapsulated in many things that made it possible for you to enter this world. You came from a lineage. You came from a bloodline. You came from cultures and traditions. You have now arrived here thinking that the very thing that facilitated the brokenness of the world cannot empower you to rule the world you must pull them from yourself the way the man pulls a garment from his body and you do that in prayer you hold the word of the Lord 
and you focus on yourself it's like turning the knife of oppression to your own body and you begin to do the surgical oppression within you but you are using the word of the Lord to make a journey in your soul to make a journey in your spirit and you stay there until you arrive at excellence of soul each day as you go out the word of the Lord will try your process you will fall here, you will fall there and the Lord will tell you, you missed it, you will go back again according to the word of the Lord the same power that resurrected Jesus and took away the brokenness of his humanity it has worked within me therefore, the brokenness embedded within me by reason of the fact that I am human it is falling off me in the name of Jesus the brokenness why do I keep talking about father's house, mother's house because anyone that is born is a combination of two people. The Bible says, and two shall become one flesh. Two came together to make another individual. So you are a combination of many things. Scientists have found out recently that there's something called cell memory. That the cells of a person's body can hold the memory of generations past. So when you pass the blood to the child and the child is living, breathing, running around, the child is actually carrying the memory of great-grandfather that he never met. He's carrying the memory of mother. So when the child grows up, and even if he doesn't grow up in his father's house, and his father's people see him 30 years later, they're like, ah, you react like your father. You are just like your mother. Why? Cell memory. So when I begin to talk about prayer, it's because you have characters you don't even know where you got it from. You have issues you don't even know where you picked it from. And you are still there insisting that your parents are perfect. It's a lie. They are perfect in loving you, but they were not perfect in nature and character. You must fight. You have to fight for yourself. Which other battle is a more worthy battle? If I know that all things have been given to me and he has blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places yet I cannot access or manifest them then there must be something with my configuration. If this laptop is meant to do certain things and it is not doing it the problem is not the laptop. Maybe there is something that has messed up his internal system and is affecting his performance. So I will take it to an expert to run a little bit and check the different apps, check the differences and check is there a virus, what's going on? God is a perfect manufacturer. So when you see that you are consistently at the point where you don't have the strength to push, pray for Iskus. It's almost the same as Kratos, which is force, strength, dominion. But you know, one that I want us to look at as we close is Exousia. Exousia and all of these are embedded in when the Bible says, and God blessed them. These are part of the things that he gave us. The capacity to wrestle against fruitlessness. Because God said, be fruitful. When he said it, he wasn't giving you a wish list that he has. He was trying to tell you what you have the ability to do. You can enter a village, a city. And they said to you, in this place, rain never falls. So we have not had harvest in five years. And you will say to the atmosphere over the land, be fruitful. Come forth. 
because there's something inside of you as the son of Adonai that has the ability to call for reproduction in people and places. Exousia is the power or authority to occupy a place of superiority. The power and authority to occupy. Do you know that? I found out that many Christians don't know how to occupy. Many Christians know how to maintain. They just maintain their lot. So something is happening in a nation. Just maintain your lot. As far as you have bought passport for your family to escape, just maintain your lot. But when you see a person that occupies, when you enter a place, you feel it. You allow your voice be heard. Your position is not talk talk. But if it's two sentences you release, it causes the whole room to think. Occupy. Fill it with your presence, but which is inevitably the presence of God. Fill it. Make known your presence. Stand and take position in places and in things. Many believers just know how to maintain their lot. But we are the ones that shout the most. What's wrong with the church? Where is the power in the church? What's wrong with you? Where is your power? You think the church is the pastor? The church is you. You right there that is speaking. You are the one. Where are the miracles? That's why all these pastors, where is your own miracle working power? Exousia. To occupy. The authority to occupy. So never ask yourself, should I? I was talking to somebody yesterday in politics and I said, you know, the way this matter is going in Nigeria and the way we are seeing all these things happening, I'm beginning to feel like all of us should run for office. Not because all of us want to be politicians, but make we all just first occupy. Then when we don't occupy, do like two years. Bring balance, remove some people, kill some people. Balance the nation. Hey. You cannot begin to say, hey, we are those people that want to run for office. Come. Because the way it's looking is like Esther time. Where Esther, don't think oh, that you can escape this thing that is coming. You better step up and move from slave queen into politician. You better step up and start having conversations with the king that is different from, oh king, how you going to like it tonight? You better start asking, so this policy, what, what exactly is happening here? Look at this nation. Look at these people. What can we do? Esther, because if you don't do it, when the calamity comes, it's going to sweep you too. So I said to the person, I said, for the first time in my life, I'm beginning to ask myself, you should say I'm not going to go back to Edo State. So, Are you sure there's nothing for me to do in my land? Because from the look of things, if we all don't step up, this is not about PVC anymore. Because is PVC even offering you the options that you truly want? I'm not saying don't get your voice out card or get it because half bread is better than full chinching. Get your vote card. Vote for the one that is best option. But how about you become the option? How about you become the option? Exousia is the right to occupy. I don't know if God wants me to. 
Moses, you are standing in front of a red sea and you are asking, God, I don't know if you want me to part it. My first stretch your rod. When you get to the other side, we cannot discuss whether or not you should have opened the sea or not. That is where we are now. Exusia is also the power of choice and the liberty of doing God's pleasure. You are not powerless to choose. You know, when I talk to ladies these days, oh, I just don't know. I say, Auntie, what power? You can choose to be who you want to be. Damsel in distress is a demonic picture that God painted for women. The weaker you are, the more delicate you are as a woman. And they are talking, I don't know, I'm just so broken. My heart is so, I'm so depressed. Nalayo. I'm not depressed. My eyes shine. Because you want to tell me that I'm depressed so that while I'm going through that phase, you will steal everything that God has allocated for me. Go, go punish you, Satan. Listen. My doctor is in this church. He knows. Once we start entering, take this medication, one of his signs is that, is it going to impede my consciousness? Because anything when they make me not feel think like myself, I know they like her. Why? Because why men slept? While I'm still there doing, I don't know, I don't know. They are stealing my son's inheritance. While I'm doing, I don't know, I don't know. They are choking, Satan is choking his big toe inside my ministry. No, I actually am okay. There's a problem I'm having, but it does not impede my mind. The problem is a reality in my body. The problem is a reality in my, in the whatever but it does not impede my capacity to choose. I make choices. The day I find out I have a weakness, I choose to be a different man. My, my, my nanny called me some days ago. She said, Madam, no verse. No so person tell me no verse. That means anything go vex you. She said, Madam, no verse. I want to talk to you about something. About one of our staff. She said, You know, I don't stay here now two years. I don't see say, this particular staff. You know, we don't change them like three times. I said, Hey, should I say, Madam, you know, I don't see say, now the same complaints the three of them get when they take care, say, they know if you work or you tell them, they go. I said, Hey, waiting. She now listed it to me. She now said, Madam, maybe if you fit, try. Eh? If you just try. May you just check and say you safe. May you. <laughs> My nanny is an older woman, so you have to hold yourself. You get. Say you safe. Maybe if you feel just. I say, eh. I say, but madam, them safe. Why like this, like this? She say, eh, not true. You talk. But I just say, make I tell you. You understand? Because you, they say, make I tell you if anything, I see anything. I'm like. If you see anything bad, not anything bad for me, bad for the house. <laughs> you know. But as I, as I left, I said, Madam, thank you. Thank you very much. But as I went back, I sat down on my bed that night and I said, you know what, God? I don't fully agree with her. But I understand what she's saying. Maybe if I adjust a little like this, it doesn't come naturally with me. But I make a choice to change. So I looked at myself. I said, Isi, today, by the power of the Holy Ghost, 
you are going to engage differently. You are going to, I started talking to myself and praying concerning it. And I said, because I have the exousia of God, the ability to make choices. And so I choose differently this day. I'm telling you, you can choose. You don't have to be locked up in a pattern. By the hand of the Holy Spirit, you can move yourself out of things. And the last thing is physical and mental power. And also the sign of regality, authority, exousia, physical and mental power. It's part of the things God gave to us to rule. Part of the things God gave to us to rule. Many times I talk to people, men and women alike. I keep hearing a phrase, Uche, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Pastor Fred, it's almost as though Satan has turned, you know, that clarity you get now from this new modern day TV where you are watching it clear on Netflix and your internet is good, that clarity. It's like Satan takes the life of people from that clarity to that black and white TV that used to do shh. Then sometimes you do like this, the image will be shaky. You have to hit it, bam, bam, bam. Then the thing will clear again, but now still, you know, you know, clear like our, yeah. It's like Satan does that to the minds of people a lot. So today you see somebody boisterous, you know, ah, be I know, touch me. And they talk to the person too, we say, I'm so good. I'm just so ayakele masukaya. There's a place in the spirit where clarity dwells. There's a place in the spirit where consistent clarity dwells. Consistency in your mental health. I'm telling you, I don't preach the things I've not experienced. If not, I will be lying. I've reached there. I've seen the boundary between sanity and insanity before. I say, eh? I shift. <laughs> Let's be evaluating it from afar. How did I get there? I'm so weak. I'm so tired. I don't even know what to do. This whole thing has made me broken. This whole thing has weakened me. Consistently saying it, forgetting that I'm a life-giving spirit. Consistently saying it until I reach the line. As I look the other side, I see people when I know that have gone ahead of me onto madness. Now I shift back. That day I began to contend. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus. I went to look for every scripture that talked about balanced mind. Because I see him. I said, I saw the tinted they cross. They said, it was just one day. One day. She preached now for Ecclesiastes the day before now. I'm telling you. Then everybody now say, we have to keep it a secret. Meanwhile, everybody don't know. I say, God forbid, not my portion. And I began to change my words. So the me of now, I'm like, S.U. Christiano. <laughs> and the type that will say, ah, I beg, I can't even deal. I'll say, I can deal in the name of Jesus. Hey. You know all those kind of phrases that we use now? I can't with you. I can't because I'm your pastor. We are going to go there. I don't do those phrases anymore. Because I'm a life-giving spirit. Every word I say is either an arsenal in the hands of Satan or an empowerment in the hands of angelic hosts. So I cannot misspeak. Why? I have exousia. I have mental as in the power to retain a sound mental health it's part of what God has given to us 
So the vacuum that we all experience is a vacuum of understanding and revelation and is the vacuum of a man's ability to contend for himself. The vacuum is not in the strength of the enemy. The vacuum is in the strength of the soldiers. The ability of the soldiers to stand on the word of the Lord and to say until it is birthed and formed in me, I am going nowhere. I'm going nowhere. If I am committed to you and you tell me, P.I., I notice this thing, this thing. Then I check with Zini. I say, Zini, is it true that this thing, that's why one of the biggest problems I have, people that are close to me, ask them, if you are close to me and you cannot tell me truth, I can never trust you. Never. If you do others, you know, actually, it's like, you know, P.I., you're a very nice person, but actually, your niceness, you know, it's nice, you're nice, you're nice. Uncle, auntie, tell me, I they ask you, my mouth, they smell. Don't tell me, you know, yeah, you use Colgate, right? Colgate is a good brand. I saw the other day you use hard toothbrush. Come on, come on. Hard toothbrush and Colgate in clear to clean, clean mouth. My mouth, they smell. Leave the hard toothpaste and Colgate. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I have a problem with it. Because you don't provoke me onto transformation. But I don't put the authorization in the hand of everybody. Because person will not know how to judge. I'm not asking you to come and judge me. Judge it in your mind. Don't come and tell me. But to the ones that I have given the right because I can trust you. I have seen the way you have judged. And I, please, tell me back. I want to know. Why? Because I have seen that the deficiency of power in my life is not God's deficiency. It's often my weaknesses. The things I haven't dealt with. When God started telling me, watch your words, watch your words, I thought, ah, are we going back to these SUDs? Come on now, we have to be cool. You know, I was, I was still playing around until one day I realized this is no joke. God is saying, go back to when you don't joke with things like you are typing dead. Who die? Or you say, I heard it, I died. It took me out. You can never take me out. You can never take me out. I'm not kidding. I'm very serious. When God started telling me, I, I was joking about what God said to me, he said, you better settle inside this thing. Because if you cannot take your word seriously on a day-to-day basis, you will never take it seriously on the day of battle. You are training your mind to not take your word seriously. And you call it joke. Have you not read the scripture about jesters? The vacuum is in you. Everything rises and falls on your leadership. This day, would you lead your life differently? This day, would you demand from the word of the Lord differently? This day, would you quest differently? This day, will you search differently? Will you ask differently? Will you hope differently? Will you cry out differently? This day, will you go back and get a journal for your study? Go and buy materials for reading the word of the Lord. Will you go back and change your schedule? Will you make out time to attend those prayer meetings? And stop saying that, you know me, I don't belong to anybody, but I belong to one person, Jesus Christ. It's a lie. According to the order of the kingdom, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. There is 
power that is released when we sit together and commune one with another this day would you go back to truth and will you tell truth mount my life stay in my life until Christ be formed in me this day would you adhere would you enroll to the transformation of the Lord it doesn't matter how old you are recently someone was challenging me indirectly challenging me and trying to say oh I wasn't getting something right I wasn't getting it but indirectly and on one of those days I said to the person I said excuse you now for this my old age now you, you now want to betray me to it's not going to happen do you know as soon as I said it the Holy Spirit said that's a trap he said that statement right there is a trap of hell you've told yourself that at this stage of life it's not the stage where you are going to change ABC XYZ he said Satan has trapped you he said but remember what I said to the fool I said oh you feel your bands are full and you have arrived at sufficiency so you want to relax this day your soul will be demanded of you God said there are people that have died not because they should have died but because they decided to rest I said this is how far this is how far we allow the hand of God transform me and immediately I repented and I said God I am never too old for change I am never too old to grow I am never too old to be a better man Father have mercy on me this morning as we go I want you to pray and I want you to make a commitment to transformation I want you to make a commitment to searching I want you to make a commitment to knowledge and revelation I want you to ask the Lord to grant you the grace to lay aside everything that stands in the way of the manifestation of power I need you to ask the Lord to grant you the grace to wage the necessary warfare so that the real and absolute version of you may emerge. I need you to make a commitment to yourself today and say to yourself that everything that the Lord has created you to be, you will be be make a commitment to your destiny that from today you will chase it with all strength and agility until you arrive at the full picture and wholesomeness of God I need you to say to the spirit realm to say to the heavens to say to God and to say I am here to commit to the process of life I am here to commit to the process of the man that you blessed and you saluted in the heavenly realms this is not about church this is not about doing what your pastor wants this is about the purpose of life and the purpose of creation say to the Lord I am here to fulfill I am here to do I am here to execute in all his fullness no more limited version of self no more limited version of purpose no more limited version of who I'm supposed to be 
let there be a holy provocation inside of you let there be a holy demand for life and the fullness of life thanks for listening to this message from the hills church our mission is to love people connect with family and touch the world learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org 